There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, listeners. Luke's English Podcast is made possible thanks to donations from my listeners. And thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you sent me a donation recently, you're helping to keep the podcast alive and keep the whole ship afloat. But also, the podcast is supported by sponsorship. And I just talk briefly about my sponsors at the beginning of each episode. The sponsor for this episode is iTalky. If you're looking for a one-to-one teacher uh, to work on your speaking, your fluency, or in fact, any other aspect of your English, or if you've got specific things you need to prepare for, like job interviews and stuff, uh, use iTalky to get yourself a one-to-one teacher. It's a very professional service. Loads of teachers to choose from. Uh, They've got lots of different skill sets, teachers with particular sets of skills for teaching exam English or business English or general English or whatever, okay? Uh, Competitive prices. Um, It's it's actually quite affordable when you consider how expensive one-to-one teaching can be. And also, it's all very flexible. It's all done through Skype, so you can just have your English lesson in the comfort of your own home or at work or wherever you want. And when you buy some talking time, italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson because you listen to this podcast. To get that offer and to get started, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello and welcome to episode 599 of Luke's English Podcast, a podcast for learners of English, presented by me, Luke Thompson, an English teacher and comedian from England, now living in Paris. Okay, was that one sentence? It was. Good. If you don't believe me, just rewind and check. Anyway, in this episode, you're going to hear a conversation I recorded last week Right here in my flat in this room, the conversation is with my friend Oliver G, who's a journalist and podcaster from Australia, now also living in Paris like me, and probably, I don't know, about five or six million other people who live here. As some of you will remember, Oliver has been on the podcast before in episode 495, over 100 episodes ago. Can you believe it? In that episode, we talked all about Australian things, including Australian English. So while you're listening to Oliver's voice, and you're wondering about his accent and other Australian things, check out episode 495, and you can hear all about Australian stuff. Oliver is a podcaster and YouTuber who makes content about Paris and France in English. Recently, I joined Oliver on one of his live YouTube video walking tours in Paris, which you can find on the page for this episode. You can find the video there. And it was a lot of fun talking to him and wandering around a lovely park. Uh, And I thought it was high time I invited Oliver back on the podcast for a chat and to tell us some stories. And as a journalist, 
Oliver is very interested in stories. That's what journalism is all about. A lot of the time, finding stories, covering stories, reporting stories, and generally reporting events in the form of stories. So that's what I wanted from this conversation. I wanted Oliver to tell us some stories, not bedtime stories or fairy tales. I'm talking more about true stories of people's lives, moments that people experience, big events that happen in the world and things like that. We communicate so much of what we do and see via stories, either in the media or in the way we talk to each other and describe things. Stories are central to the way that we communicate with each other. So the focus for me in this conversation was to let Oliver tell us some of his stories. And I just wanted to hear him speak about these things in particular. So first of all, the Notre Dame Cathedral fire. Uh, When the world-famous Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris caught fire recently and You must have seen it on the news. I'm sure you saw the video footage of the cathedral in flames and the the spire on the top of the the cathedral falling down. And the whole thing seemed to be engulfed in flames. So when, when the cathedral caught fire recently, Oliver actually went down to the cathedral with his camera in order to see and record what was happening and to re- to capture the moment, not just the burning cathedral, but actually people's reactions to it. He also interviewed a tour guide all about it for his podcast, in which they described it in full detail. So Oliver can tell us about what he saw that evening, generally what happened at the cathedral and what's happening next. And there are some pretty weird coincidences in his story too. In fact, there are quite a lot of weird coincidences and special moments described during this episode. I also wanted stories about Oliver's time working as a journalist, how he started, and particularly moments when he ended up meeting some famous people, especially comedians that we're big fans of. For some reason, I love hearing stories of people meeting famous people. So listen on to find out who Oliver has met, how he met them, and what they were really like in person. And there's one comedian who is particularly famous at the moment, not just at the moment, but someone who's particularly famous, a very big comedian. Oliver got to meet him in really quite an intimate situation, and I love the story. Oliver has lived in Sweden and now lives in France, so I wanted him to tell me about his experiences of learning languages, particularly moments when he felt challenged and when he'd made significant progress. And finally, there's the story of Oliver's honeymoon road trip around France on the back of a scooter. Imagine two newly married people travelling all around France, even crossing over the Alps, the mountains, all on the back of a small 50cc Vespa scooter. Listen on to find out what happened. So those are the main topics. Notre Dame Cathedral fire, meeting famous people, learning languages and a honeymoon road trip. There's also some chat at the start about my podcast, as Oliver noticed that uh, Luke's English podcast has had over 50 million downloads in total, and I'm approaching episode 600 now. So we talk a bit about podcasting versus using YouTube as different platforms for what we do. Oliver, yeah, he's a podcaster like me, but he also does quite a lot of stuff on YouTube and Facebook Live and things like that. So we're about to jump into the conversation now. Just before we do, 
let me prepare you a little bit because the conversation starts quite uh, quite quickly. Okay, so let me just com- just prepare you slightly. So in episode four hundred and ninety five, if you remember, we said that the better people know Oliver, the shorter his name becomes, which is kind of normal, isn't it? You know, this is normal. It's like nicknames. People make your name shorter if they know you well. So acquaintances probably call him Oliver, and then friends call him Ollie, and then close friends might call him Ol, and then really close friends might just call him O, all right? So I just wanted to remind you of that, because it's the first thing that you'll hear. So you might immediately get lost and go, what? Uh, what, what wait a minute, what? I'm lost already. Just remember, the better people know you, the shorter your name becomes. That's how this begins, all right? So you're now ready to go. I'll speak to you again on the other side of the conversation. But for now, here we go. Let's get started. And here is Oliver G. So, Ollie, uh, you have been on my podcast. Ollie? Yeah. We established this before, that the better people know you, the shorter your name That's becomes. Right. Well, good memory. Did you listen to the last one or did you remember? No, that? I just remember yeah. it. <laughs> I forgot that I said that. It's true. Oliver to Ollie. Some people call me Ol, and some people call me O. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm on Olive. I'm on Ollie. <laughs> I think. You, yeah, you're comfortable, of, Ollie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'd have to get married to get to an Ol or something. Really? Yeah, I think so. Is that what your wife calls you? Uh, she calls me Oliver. She's oh, She's a Swede, though, so like all the rules are out the window. The Swedish are more formal or something. They're uh, practical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they that's just- what it says on the. Birth certi- I was going to do my Swedish accent, but uh, that's what it says on the birth certificate. That's what I'll go by. That's what they're like. I see. Mm. I see. No abbreviations. Just that's the given name. That's the name I'm using. Exactly. Okay. Um, so you have been on the podcast before, right? But just just remind us of who you are and what you do. Explain yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I'm Australian, and that's what we talked about last time I was on your show. All about Australia, animals, that kind of stuff. But usually I don't talk about that kind of stuff. No. It's just a backstory, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, as you said, I'm a journalist in Paris. I also have a podcast, which is very Paris-based. So uh, talking about Paris with people doing interesting things that are Paris or France-related. Tour guides, chefs, uh, ambassadors, mayors, TV hosts, whatever. People that are doing something. And the real guest every week is Paris. Yeah. So it always comes back to Paris. And... Uh it's the Earful Tower. That's, that's the name of the podcast. I said that, yeah. yeah. You can tell that you've done a lot more of this than <laughs> By the way, congratulations on 50 million downloads. Oh, yeah. I was looking at your site today. I was like, 50 million? That's, that's incredible. Crazy. That is across all the episodes, of course. It's incredible, though. So I'm approaching 600 episodes now. So you could do, you know, what's 50 million? It's, it's more than 50 million now. Yeah. I haven't updated it. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, it's more, I don't think but... you should until 100 million. Really? Yeah. <laughs> 50 million is a good number. It's a good round number. Isn't you know, it? when people say, uh, like, uh, yeah, my podcast is in the top seven, it's like, just go with top 10. You know, there's a cutoff. Yeah. Or top 18 podcasts about Paris. Nah, I'd say top 20. Same with you. Stick on 50. Okay, really? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. No, I think you're maybe right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you, if you divide 600, if you divide 50, Five fifty million by six hundred. What do you get? I think it's just. Un- oh, my maths isn't very good, but it's. I'd say eight million a year. Um, or are you, you've, you're throwing time into it as well. Um, <laughs> oh, you 50, want to do per episode? Fifty one, two, three, four, five, six. Fifty million. Divide it because I want to know how many that is. Because the, really, the main thing in podcasting is how many downloads each episode that's gets. Right. Yeah, that's right. Divided by six hundred, let's say. So we're looking at, uh, no, 
Did I get the number wrong? That's that's five million divided by six hundred. Yeah, I need another zero in there. So it's it's zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to use the Google calculator. It's about eighty three thousand downloads per episode. That's insane. That is insane. As another podcaster who gets about three or four thousand per episode, maybe five thousand, uh, you are flying. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Mm. You know that you know YouTube is there's there's a lot more a lot more views or downloads to be to be gained on YouTube. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of the the a lot of my English teaching contemporaries who have YouTube channels and stuff are getting like millions, mm. millions, and millions. Well, you've got a pretty sizable YouTube channel for. For, I mean, it doesn't look like you totally invest. You know, you're I, not doing I, videos. Of, I don't do videos. Mm. I don't really. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really taking care of my YouTube channel mm, in mm. the way that I should. I, I've got over twenty five thousand subscribers. Right. I, I saw that the other day. A lot so, of potential. Yeah. Um, you're letting it. Gr- you're hoping that, like, uh, you know, when you leave a plant in an abandoned warehouse, you're hoping that it's going to sprout and something's going to happen. The, but <laughs> the thing is about the YouTube channel, right? Is that I never set out to be a YouTuber. Yeah. I'm not a YouTuber. Mm. So I do have a few videos that I made back in the day, like 10 years ago. Mm. Um, I've English talk- accents, I've, right? Um, well, there's an, there's an accent video, which is just, I never intended to really publish that video, right. but I found it in my hard drive and I was like, I'll put that out. That's all right. Yeah. But it was, uh, the ones that got me the most followers uh, was a series called uh, London Native Speaker Interviews. Right, right. And I, I've been talking about them on the podcast recently because I'm going back through the videos and sort of analysing some of the English that came mm. up in them. And um, so they, they're kind of fairly clickbaity titles mm. for learners of English. London Native English Speaker yeah, right. Interviews. Mm. And uh, like the thumbnail of one of the videos has got these three pretty girls yeah. smiling on the front, which, you know, it's very basic to say and you know potentially sounds kind of sexist or something but the fact is that on youtube if you do have a thumbnail that looks mm. like that mm. people will click on that's it that's why the videos that you and i have done on my channel never go anywhere <laughs> exactly it's just a picture of me and you at a, we should have focused on the park but i'm the same as you so i got a youtube channel but i didn't set out to be a youtuber but i figured uh sort of different to the way that you've gone about it like i do the videos as bonus stuff so mm. I do invest time into it but not to grow the channel rather to give something extra to the people just as you and i did what two weeks ago? Yeah. A month ago? Oh, about yeah, maybe about a month ago. Yeah, we we walked around uh, the Square de Batignolles, which oh, is yeah. a lovely park. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so you, we did a, a, a live walk around the park. First five minutes are available free on YouTube, That's and right. then the rest of it is for your your right. your subscribers, yeah. your Patreon subscribers. Exactly. So those people yeah. that want to support the show, and uh, as we're talking, I see you got a YouTube hat. Yeah, I've got a YouTube hat. Yeah, not so, on, not on your head not, in the background. I do have a, a cap which uh, was given to me by the by the guys at uh, Google. Oh, really? Yeah. So I went to Google with uh, Sarah Donnelly and Noman Hosni and uh, Robert Hain right. and Freddie Ango and and uh, maybe some other people I'm forgetting. I don't think so. I think that was everyone. And we did a show at Google, uh, a stand-up show. And it was like a, an, an hour or two in the afternoon one day. Mm. I think that Google basically said to its employees, we're going to give you a stand-up show today. Yeah. And so we had like a bunch of people from Google in, in the audience. We did it at one of their, on one of their stages. Right. It felt like a, the place where you do a TED Talk. Or where they come and launch the new, yeah, 
where, where Steve Jobs would be if he worked yeah. at, at Google. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was like this stage, very nice looking place. And I don't we know did if a that's conducive show. to good comedy, though. It was very weird, very yeah. strange. Like corporate things like that are mm. usually quite weird. I'm going to play basketball tonight with the, the lads from Google. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know how that happened, but I hooked up with some of them somehow. Great. Every month I play with Google at yeah. a really nice court in the suburbs. That's really so, good. Yeah. I never got a hat, though. Well, you should ask for yeah, one. They'll give you one I if you will. just ask for it. Yeah. So we did the show and, and it was good fun, a bit weird during the, you know, do a comedy show during the day. And then afterwards, they, the guy brought out all these caps and said, here you go, guys. Have, Merch. Have a YouTube cap. And I was like, that's great. Yeah. Never going to wear it. Uh, <laughs> Pride of place though up there. Yeah, I've put it up on the shelf. Yeah. So there you go. So somehow I'm a YouTuber without being a YouTuber. Yeah. I don't know how I've managed a to A man do of that. many hats. Yeah, well, what one really that I don't wear? Uh, anyway, so as a as a journalist, right? Uh, and and let's talk first about uh, the Eiffel Tower, the 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 interviews you do, the podcasts you do about Paris, and the guests you've talked to. Any uh, sort of s- recently any moments that stand out? Yeah, absolutely. So even today, before I came to meet you, I, uh, to meet you, I was editing an episode, mm. and uh, like I said before, I have authors on sometimes, and today's episodes with. Uh, a woman called Kara Black, who's a, a crime fictional crime writer, and she bases her murders all around Paris. So mm. she's done like 20 books about Paris. Um, and then uh, she's pretty fun. Her heroine, like the detective, rides around Paris on a scooter. And mm. so I have a scooter as well, like a moped, like a Vespa, not yeah. a, not one of those little, uh, the ones that you stand on, you yeah. know, like a proper. And uh, she asked me if she could write, if she could be on the back. And I was like, let's do it. And so we rode around Paris and then we did some videos and stuff. So that... And, you know, I, at the end of the day, I got home and I was like, what a great job I've got. Yeah. You know, like this woman, excellent uh, books. I'm reading one now and just like you really describes, but she lives in San Francisco. Yeah. Comes to Paris once a year and then, uh, or maybe twice a year and just researches the hell out of, you know, the city 20 years ago where the books are set. So I get these moments where I talk to her about how she writes and then ride around the city with her and then film like one of the walk shows like we did. Um, it's just wonderful. Yeah. It's great. It's such a... I can't believe it. I it's pinch br- myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. You recently did an episode about the Notre Dame fire. True. The, the Notre Dame Cathedral mm. fire, which was a very big moment here in Paris and sort of around the world because yep. everyone saw the videos and the mm-hmm. footage and everyone was quite shocked by it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most visited tourist attractions in the world. That's so everyone, right. yeah. a lot of people around the world have got some sort of connection to it or are interested in it. So... I mean, my, I did have some listeners post comments on my website saying, you know, can you talk about this on the podcast? Right. But you're probably the person to talk to right. about it. Right. Uh, what, what did, how did you cover that event? Well, it was weird because, so before I was a podcaster, I was a, a, a journalist, you know, politics, terrorism, this kind of thing, serious stuff, yeah. right? And then I sort of threw it all in to do more entertaining stuff. Um, but... Like, uh, it was one of those moments similar to all the other tragic things that have happened in Paris in the past five years when uh, I was actually, it was a Monday, so I was playing basketball with the Google guys. And when it finished... Was it with the Google guys? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. So, it, it, the, out in the suburbs, like I said, so when it finished, I looked at my phone uh, and because this podcast that it was about Paris, yours is in Paris, but because mine's specifically about Paris, I got, similar to what you said, I got so many messages from people mm. around the world because it had been burning for two hours. You know, you didn't know, no, because you were playing basketball. Yeah, yeah. So I had all these messages from them, but also from friends and family. Not saying, "Are you all right?" They were saying, "Why are you not doing something about this? This is like the main thing in your city. That's your job, and you're not covering it." Yeah. 
And so I was like, oh my, I got to, so I got jumped on the scooter and just headed straight down there. And at that point it was like 10 o'clock or something. Uh, it was still burning and smoldering, but, um, I did a video, like just a Facebook live video. And I just walked around. It was really powerful seeing the Parisians, um, singing hymns and, uh, just watching it and being quiet and sort of just, it was really a powerful moment. And I tried to capture that rather than a lot of the news reporters over the next maybe week or so from that moment on, we're just standing out the front of it, you know, like on a box, uh, you know, with the camera on the side, you know, uh, this is what has happened and this is what's going to happen. And this is where the money is getting whatever. Yeah. Uh, no one knows what's that. I was like, that's boring. Like anyone can see that's on a hundred stations right now. Maybe it's a thousand. So I was more interested in sort of getting that Paris reaction to it. And then, uh, Finally, that very day, I was doing an episode with a guy who runs tours inside the Notre Dame. So we'd been recording it, and he texted me. He's like, "Don't release that episode. You know, like we have to redo this." So the day that the the fire happened, yep. earlier in the day, you'd been doing a conversation with a tour guide yep. who is a sort of an expert on the cathedral. Yep, yep. And and after the fire started, he contacted you and said, "Don't release that episode." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning we need to do another one. Exactly, because yeah. we'd been talking about. Um, I'd be interested to go back and listen to it again now, but um, it, we were talking about the Notre Dame and how important it was and how much he loved it. And uh, I'd done the tour. They do a private tour, which they won't be able to do for years now. Mm. Uh, they take you inside after it closes. So you're in there when it's totally empty and there's a choir practicing. Yeah. And they take you up to this big organ at the top. Um, you know, and you just you just sort of walking through all the uh, what's the word like the crown of thorns and all these really artifacts, artifacts, yeah, that everyone was petrified would be damaged, but they were. I think they were all saved. Yeah, I'm, um, not, sh- I'm not sure really of all the details, but yeah, I, I I hear that most of the major artifacts. Well, there was were... a tunic belonging to some uh, bishop or a saint or whatever, uh, and that mm. was saved. And then there was this crown of thorns. Anyway, so I got the guy back in for a proper lot we talked for like an hour my podcast is usually 30 minutes max and we just i just let him talk and um he he texted me after on the way home and he's like oh thanks for that it was really uh like therapeutic you know yeah just talking about this that was so important to him this the, i mean people were really sort of uh traumatized by it oh yeah how, can you try and tell us about how what the effect it had on on parisians i think i think one of the big things about it is Beyond, like beyond religion, we get to religion in a second. It's an ar- architectural, like marvel in the center of the city. Uh, sort of different to the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower is very new. Eiffel Tower is 130 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame is uh, well, 800, 900 years, 850 years old. I think. Okay. So everybody knows it. It's been the center point for centuries. And there are there are even like well known stories that Absolutely. that take place there. Absolutely. Like the Hunchback of Notre yep. Dame, yep. which I think is also a Disney film. That's right. Which um, which I watched randomly the night before. What? Yeah. I had never seen it. And we had guests in Paris and they were like, we should watch the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I was like, Yep, it's time. So weird. That is, is really weird. Yeah, it was really weird. And uh is it a good film? Uh yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's a Disney film. Yeah. It didn't The songs didn't capture me the way some of the other Disney films mm-hmm. uh, have. But that was weird as well. Everything was weird. Yeah. Um, but it just, it means a lot to everybody. And all the tourists who've been here before that were, you know, texting me and putting posts on Instagram or whatever. Everyone's been there. Everyone's seen it. And it's beautiful. And then the religion side of it. So when I was walking around doing the video, I hadn't had time to process it. I jumped on the scooter, got down there, started filming. Yeah. And it wasn't until... Um, 
they were singing the hymns. And I was like, oh my God, for me, it's not a church or a cathedral. It's a really beautiful architectural yeah. uh, masterpiece, right? Yeah, yeah. And I look at it like that. But then I was like, oh, hang on. All these people who are Catholic or even beyond any religion that have a different connotation or re- relation to it. And I was yeah. like, whoa, this just it blew my mind to think of it from other people's perspective as well. I wonder how they were processing the event. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, if this is like the house of God, you know, it's a church. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And to see it burning down, like how could they sort of understand why it was happening? Yeah, it, it must have been mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah, you could yeah. feel if you see the videos the bit. So I cut down a bit of the video that I did. I did like an hour long video, just walking, very sort of respectful. It wasn't. I, I didn't go saying to people, "What do you think of this?" You know, yeah. which if I was doing my journalist job, that's what I would have had to do. Which I think was much nicer to just sort of like in a sort of not like in a voyeuristic way, but more just capturing a moment. And there was one guy who said to me in English, he's like, "Oh yeah, and you're live blogging." or something like that, or vlogging, you're vlogging this. And mm. I was like, this is like a moment in history and I talk about Paris, that's my job. I think it would be wrong for me not to have filmed it. I think there's a respectful way to do it yeah. and, a, and a disrespectful way to do it. Yeah. So this guy, it's like you're vlogging this. Yeah. He, in his mind, vlogging means, you know, certain famous YouTubers, yeah. like, you know, the, who's the guy who got in trouble because of the vlog he yeah. did in Japan? Yep. What's the guy? I don't. We don't need to mention his name. No. But there was a guy who. Because you forgot it. I've forgotten it, and I don't really care <laughs> no, about no. him either. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he got into a lot of trouble for the way he was doing vlogging while traveling in Japan. That's right. Suicide forest. It was very disrespectful. Yeah. Lots. Not just the thing in the suicide forest. That's right. Yeah. He but was. also the way he was he was doing his vlogs in Tokyo. That's right. He was being very antisocial yeah. and just just very rude. It's filming people and. Uh, Describing them and all sorts of things that yeah. that that are that are extremely rude and socially wrong in mm. Japan, like filming people without the consent yeah. at the very minimum, mm. but also doing other things like throwing himself on the floor in front of cars, like yeah. like bouncing off mm. bouncing off the front of cars and things, and doing other stuff like that. So it was just kind of very annoying. Mm. But so maybe the guy that spoke to you in the street right. had that kind of thing yep. in mind. Yep. But your version was a, a much more respect mm. respectful. Mm sort of videoing there's a good so i cut i cut the one of the hymns it was so beautiful i cut that and put it on youtube uh and there was a it was a really popular video people were really interested and it really captured the mood Mm -hmm. um so that's what i encourage people to check out just like you know people it's it's weird you know it's like you know i don't know it was clear how important it was to a lot of people it really comes through yeah how how would they find this is just on your youtube yeah if you go on the youtube channel yeah. It's probably one of the most recent videos, I'd suppose. You probably see me and you in there as well. Yeah, I think so. Which is also a recent yeah. video. Earful Tower. Yeah. The Earful which Tower. Which is a play on words. Yeah. Speaking of uh, <laughs> of uh, learning English. Uh-huh. Uh, earful. Get an earful. Do you ever say that? Uh, get an earful of this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I might, I might, I might yeah. say that. Get yeah. an earful of yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you, you can get an eyeful of something as well, can't you? True. Which is sort of part of the joke if I was a vlogger I would have done the no it wouldn't have worked the Eiffel Tower wouldn't have worked at all no it wouldn't the no. Eiffel Tower but um well the Eiffel Tower because it's like the Eiffel Tower but earful meaning get an earful yep. of this yep. meaning listen to this and it's an audio podcast that's right it's brilliant Oliver well done thank you Luke I'm very proud of it <laughs> sometimes I get a lot of people don't think about it and then I get an email from someone who goes I've been listening for six months I just got the uh, the title of it and I'm like yeah yeah, well, good. It's 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 a grower, maybe. Yeah. 
So just going back to Notre Dame then, because I'm interested in stories on the podcast. They say that stories are a great way to learn a language, like listening to stories and things. What was the story of the fire then? Do you know actually what happened? Yeah, no, no one knows actually. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I know that they'd found cigarette butts from people that were working up there, the guys that were, because they're scaffolding. So they were building and repairing, which is something that has always happened on the Notre Dame since the beginning. It's always it's been it's kind of like that um, in Barcelona, the Sagrada Familia. Yeah, is it? yeah. It's always being fixed because it's yeah. so old, right? Yeah. And the guys that were working up there would smoke, and they found cigarettes in the investigations afterwards. Yeah. But they said that it's not proven. It's not necessarily. It's tied. not necessarily cigarette butts. I heard something about even uh, like uh, some. Some cans of fluid. Mm, there's all sorts of. There's not. Here's the thing. It's not confirmed. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of. And in terms of story, a lot. Of, what I think is interesting is a lot of Parisians are focusing on, uh, like they did after the terror attacks. They're focusing on the next thing, rebuilding, regrowth. Yeah. How they're going to fix it yeah. or what they're going to do. You know, like rather than uh, being devastated and mourning. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have moved on. Uh, they. I mean, I, I get the impression that people. Uh, that the wounds are kind of yeah. healed, yeah. if not healing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so okay, so the but a fire started at some point in the afternoon, the yep. late the end of the afternoon, yep. and it spread. So the the cathedral, in terms of the layout of the cathedral, um, so which parts actually burned? So when you look, when you think of the Notre Dame Cathedral, you'd think of the two big towers, which are the west-facing towers, the two big ones with the big three arches out the front, the entrance. Yeah. None of that was touched. Okay. okay? So it's the back side of that, the far side of that, where they had a... Uh, so the reason that the fire was so strong is it's held up by wood. So many wooden beams, they call it the forest yeah. Um, and these old wooden beams, once they started burning, uh, there's no airflow in there, so it, it just straight away burnt. The roof at the back burnt to nothing, and the spire burnt to nothing. You might have seen, people listening might have seen the, the spire collapsing. So that's the tallest bit. Often when you look at a view of Paris, you can see that spire. It looks like a big antenna, not the Eiffel Tower, uh, and a lot of people don't know what it is, but that's the spire. And the other thing is that spire is from uh, only 100, I think 150 years ago. So it's not like in one sense it's not the end of the world, yeah, because it was just an addition mm-hmm. that a lot of people didn't like at the time anyway. But it was a very dramatic uh, yeah. moment oh, where yeah. you, you know first of all you see these huge uh, flames uh, engulf apparently engulfing the whole cathedral, yeah. and everyone's thinking, oh my god, the whole thing's going to burn yeah. down. Look at the look at how ferocious the fire is. Massive flames, huge plumes of smoke mm-hmm. billowing into the sky, and then that moment where the spire which, as you said, is like this metal thing. It looks kind of like an antenna, mm. a big sort of spike that comes out the, the roof. The spire fell down, and that was shocking yeah. and, and so on. And it was sort of way, weirdly uh, reminiscent of 9-11, of when, the moment when one of the buildings yeah. collapses. At that mm. kind of moment, of because maybe because 9-11, people remember it, we were thinking the entire cathedral is going to collapse. Mm. That's what everyone was mm. thinking. In fact, I think a lot of people had accepted oh my God, this whole thing's going to crumble to the ground now. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird for me because I got there late, right? The mm-hmm. burning had sort of happened. This, the most intense part had happened. Yeah. So when I looked at it and saw it, I sort of pretty quickly put together, it's not a huge flame anymore. The pictures are worse than the reality at the moment. Yeah. So I kind of knew, I never had that moment of how bad is it going to get. Mm. So I, don't, I can't really speak for um, other people, but it must have been pretty terrifying standing out there. 
Apparently, you could feel the heat as well. Well, the guy that I had, weirdly, the guy I had on my show who was there in the day uh, was going to do a tour and was out the front about to go in. In fact, wow. I think he'd gone in with the head of the Notre Dame and the head of the Sacre Coeur because wow. he wanted to do the same tour at the Sacre Coeur and was trying to convince them to see what he did. So, they're all together. Yeah. You should listen to my, my show with this guy because he tells how the head of the, I think the head of the Notre Dame ran in. And then came out and goes, I was just a fire alarm, like a false alarm. And then uh, they saw the flames come up and he ran back in and it was panic. Yeah. And he was talking about how hot it was as well. I think, uh, uh, I think probably to get the whole story, listeners should listen to that episode that you did. Because mm. it is a great uh, account of the whole thing. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll put the link to that episode on the page for this episode, folks, on my website. And then listen to... Ollie's episode. It's just I don't remember which which episode it is. Or no, neither do I. It, uh, it was. It was. I can uh, tell you now. Oh, it was just from the twenty second of April. Uh, Notre Dame fire. What happened and what next? Mm. So to get the whole story, folks, listen to that, and I, I highly recommend it. I tell you what, it's not the uh, if if that is your first time listening to my show, uh-huh. don't expect it to be like that every week. Usually, it's quite upbeat. Yeah, and, uh, you're sending them in the deep end. But it is, it is a good story. That was kind of an exceptional one. It was, yeah. it was quite serious and, and uh, out of the ordinary. But otherwise, you do all sorts of other fun and things. And um, you, uh, what are you doing after this conversation that we're yeah. having today? If you scroll down, there's a picture of the, the woman that I'll be doing a little bit further there. Her? Yeah. So Caroline de Maigret. Maigret. Yeah, so she is pretty cool. This is a good story, too. Okay, so we like stories, yeah. So, okay. so this is the woman that you're going to go and meet yeah. and interview after we talk that's today. That's right, that's yeah. right. So she's, um, I guess she's an author and a supermodel, like a proper like Vogue cover model. Really? Like that kind of... A supermodel. Yeah, super. You could yeah. use that uh, adjective. Yeah, yeah. That's an adjective? Yeah. Su- yeah. What? Yeah. Su- super. Super, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, a, she's not just a super model. <laughs> yeah. She's a super model, right. which is now a noun. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, and so... I'd, she'd written a very good book called How to Be Parisian Wherever You Are that a lot of people read around the world and it was her and a few of her Parisian friends sort of it was kind of fun you know poking yeah. a bit fun at it all but saying things like I, I'm not going to quote it because I can't remember but things like how to have an affair or how to eat a croissant things that are pr- pretty typical yeah. uh, Parisian mm-hmm. and I'd sort of had her on my radar for a while because I thought she'd make a good guest but she's huge she's got millions of followers and everything right and then one day, uh, not long ago, I was walking in this area where you live, and uh, I saw her. I, in fact, I was with my wife. I crossed the road to take a picture of a street. I'm always taking pictures of stupid yeah. things. And I found myself standing next to her, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Caroline de Magret. I can't pronounce it, but I, I yeah. knew it was her. And I turned to my wife, and I was like, is that, is that Caroline de Magret? And she was like, yeah, that's her. So I turned to her, and I was like, um, I was like hey, you're Caroline de Magret. And she goes, yeah. And I was like, do you mind if I speak English with you? She's like, yeah, cool, cool. And I was like, listen, uh, firstly, I was like, thanks for all that you do. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why I said it's a good thing to say. To <laughs> but, I, but I wanted to, you know, let her know I wasn't crazy. And I was like, listen, uh, do you ever do interviews with Australian podcasters? That's just what I said. And yeah. she was like, what do you mean? And we got talking, waiting for the light to change. Uh, and she was sort of like, I convinced her in that period of time to sort of give me her email address or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's giving it to me. And then she just goes, look, I'm really busy. I'm going to be honest with you. The chance of this happening is very low. Yeah. And I was like, oh. and then she goes, unless we do it right now, 
can you record a podcast on your phone? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. I wouldn't be great, but I can do it. She goes, let's go to a cafe and do it right now. Wow. And I was like, yeah, cool. So we yeah. did it. And uh, she was br- like really good. Like she really thoughtful answers and, you know, really good insight into being Parisian. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, she shared it with all her followers and all that stuff. It was great. And then I texted her yesterday. Yeah. So this is like a month on. And I was like, well, uh, every time I do a podcast, part two is the live video. Um, so, you know, if you, <laughs> I said something like, um, I can guarantee it'll be in the top 15 most fun interviews you've done. You know, something like just to be yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Because, you yeah. know, you can imagine Vogue and all those people are calling all the time. And she's like, Let's do it tomorrow. And I was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, let's do it. Wow. So we this you know, this all happened like this. So yeah. I'm gonna meet her and she's gonna show her neighborhood, Pigal, uh wow. live. I'm a bit nervous. But yeah. it should be, you know, the live thing, even like with everyone, with you, I'm, you're nervous that it's not, you know. Mm. Uh, it's, not, it's not going to be good enough for not something. really that it's more about uh, there's Tech- a lot of factors going on yeah. you, need the, you need the internet to work that's crucial you're, you're, so you're going to be live streaming yeah. on your phone yeah. it's a YouTube live stream yeah. on your phone using a 4G yeah. connection yep. yeah yeah um, and it's literally just your phone in your hand. No I have other. A stabilizer. You got a stabilizer. We walk where you know, so like it would be quite bumpy otherwise. Like a little but, handle that keeps the phone yeah, stable. Yeah. yeah, and like what we when we did it, mm-hmm. I mean, it's different when you and I did it because we're we're mates. Like we can go, ah, oh, you know, you're busy. Oh, let's take it easy. With her, there's this added level. But on top yeah. of it, you gotta. There's a lot going on. You gotta um, manage a decent interview. Mm-hmm. You gotta make sure the cameras. F- Pointing to something. Yeah. Got to make sure you don't get hit by a car, tread in dog, uh, dog. excrement. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, check that the connection's working. Um, and then, if people, the whole point of doing it live is so it's interactive. Yeah. Otherwise, like, when we did ours, we could have just filmed it and then uploaded it two hours later. Yeah. But, as you remember, I hope, uh, people were writing questions yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. What, what is it like to be a comedian in Paris? And we answered them. And that's the whole point of it being yeah. like. So, you've got to do all those things I said before, plus make sure it's being an interactive experience. So, and so how do you do that? I don't what? know. <laughs> I don't know how I do it. I think you just have to kind of, um, I suppose, uh, you just have to try and be present. You just have to yeah. like, listen to her yep. a lot. And just kind of go with the flow. The right? main thing I think the main the crucial is to ignore everything irrelevant. Yeah. So sometimes I've guessed and I can see that they're um, self conscious, which makes total sense, mm-hmm. and they're looking at people looking at them. Yeah. And then others uh, just jump right into it, and they're like, "The camera is what matters. No, yeah. Nothing else matters." Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. it's live. It's more fun if something goes a little bit wrong. When I had, I did one with the Australian ambassador. With the Australian ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. And he, oh man, he's got the best apartment, yeah. uh, like up on uh, 400 meters from the Eiffel Tower. And I did some filming, this huge, he's on like the seventh floor or something. Big, you could fit in his residence where he lives. I swear to you, you could fit maybe two or three elephants in the living room and you could still walk around. Shut up, yeah, really? It's incredible, incredible. Anyway, so wow. I was filming a bit up there and then we were going to go down to the, the bridge uh Birakim bridge where the you know last tango in paris inception that one uh that goes right near the eiffel tower famous bridge yeah near the eiffel tower yeah, yeah. so we're down to do it he has this 20 minute window to film with him or whatever and as i'm about to press record that little stabilizer just started spinning what right. your 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 little gadget yeah. stabilizer started spinning <laughs> yeah, around like it was from the exorcist or something oh no it was just spinning i was like ah. Oh, this has never happened before. And he's like, it's okay, it's okay. And I was like, it's not okay. I don't know how to fix it. I've got no idea how to fix it. And it just, it, it was out of control. So eventually I just was like, well, I'm pressing record while, and I held it to stop it from spinning. Yeah. Like I 
I, I, you know, if you, you forced it to, yeah. you like, like gripped it in your it hand. Terrible. It was terrible. The whole thing, I was holding it while trying to use the stabilizer. He and was a great sport about the it. The handle's trying to spin round yeah. and you, you're holding it yeah, in yeah, place yeah. and your arm is killing you. Yeah. So it's, when it's like that, it's stressful. Yeah, yeah. Plus trying to do the interview, walk across the bridge and answer people's questions. Horrible. How many of those have you done? About 100, 120. 100 of those live videos yeah. now? Yeah. Well, then uh, how many other people have done 100 of those? In the world? I don't know if anyone else does it. I call it a walk show. Like, there must be some It's like other a talk show, it, but, but you're walking. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Not in Paris, anyway. I'll tell you what, though. There won't be many people. There will be some other people who do walking tours with a, while live streaming, right? Yeah, sure. But not many. And so if you've done 100, you might be the best in the world. Oh, maybe maybe, I'm, top, maybe I'm top 15. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the top 15, yeah. I don't know. I think people probably don't do it because there's so many things that can go wrong. Like a bad internet connection ruins it. It totally ruins it. Like if, if it's fuzzy, no one wants to watch it. Um, it won't be long, though, before the internet is so solid. I can't wait for that. Yeah. I'd like to do, have it with a, um, a cameraman or a camera team following yeah. around. But yeah. I love the live thing because I think... Otherwise, it should just you really get to know the guest. You really get to see Paris, which is very important. Yeah. Um, and those sort of highlight packages that you'd see from I don't know Rick Rick Steves or something, you know, very heavily edited. Here's Paris neighborhood. Okay. It's uh, you know it's stale. It's the kind of same. Yeah. There's something a lot more authentic about what you're doing. Mm. Can I go back to your days before you started doing the podcast and the YouTube stuff? Your days as a journalist. Yeah. So how did you end up becoming a journalist? Ah, well, that was like uh, that was like eight years or ten years ago. In, yeah, I was living in Sweden, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I, I'd, st- you know, I, I was learning Swedish, the language in uh, in a student town there. Yeah, and I, I like writing. I've always liked writing, so I started a blog for a, a local newspaper that was in Stockholm. So wait a minute, from Australia to Sweden. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Quick side question. Yeah. Why? I'd met a Swedish girl. In Australia? Yep. She's, is she your wife now? No. <laughs> That's another <laughs> Swedish girl. Different Swedish yeah. girl. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, you got together with a Swedish girl and got she was together, like... Moved over. She yeah. was meant to finish her studies uh, for a year or something. Okay. And I was like, well, I'll stay for a bit, see what happens. And I was like, in Sweden, another side note, they pay you, or they did, not anymore, they paid you to learn Swedish. So oh, there's okay. an incentive for foreigners and immigrants to adapt uh, to the country that's amazing and I was like well I love languages too um, you never know maybe I'll stay longer than a, a month or a mm-hmm. year and I was mm-hmm. like I'll learn Swedish it'll be fun and I like money yeah right <laughs> well that was a, that was a strong driving force in it as well uh, so I started learning I contacted this local newspaper that did news site not newspaper that did uh, Sweden's news in English I said look I'm going to blog about learning Swedish I reckon it could be interesting for you you can have it, you know, you can publish it. And it was kind of popular. People, I put a lot of effort into it and that sort of got me started uh, on that. Had you studied journalism back in Australia? No, but I'd studied uh, sort of media and English and literature and things that were similar enough, enough of a, you know, better than if I had studied, you know, veterinary science or something. What was your degree? Just Bachelor of Arts. Bachelor of Arts in? Uh, English and French. Yeah. Yeah, double major. Okay. But my French wasn't great at all. When I came out of it, it's like, look, they don't teach you uh, what you need. You know, mm-hmm. they teach you the tenses that you never heard of. Yeah. And not, uh, you don't know how to have a conversation with someone. Right, right. You okay. couldn't have a two-minute conversation, but you could, you know, 
dissect some subjunctive tense or something. Anyway. But you kind of, you know, taught yourself to be a journalist, basically, by, well, by, yeah. by doing the blogging thing, which then became put exactly. on, it got put on a news site. Well, they, so they started using it, and then, uh, and then I did a little internship for them, yeah. just, just out of curiosity. And then uh, I wrote a story, you know, Cat Stevens, the singer? Yeah. So Cat Stevens is He's not Cat Stevens anymore, is he? Well. Is it Yusuf Yusuf Islam Islam now? So you know his mom is Swedish, right? Right. So he hadn't toured for decades, and then he decided to do a comeback tour starting in Stockholm. Yeah. So I wrote wrote up an article about it, and I was like, hey, if you want to use it, you can have this article. And then Cat Stevens or Yusuf Islam, his people shared it, Mm. and it kind of went viral. Whoa. So then uh, I said to them, I was like, hey... Uh, I'm going to go to the concert. I'll do a review, but you have to pay me for it. And they were like, all right. And then they shared the review as well. Wow. And then that was how I started. That was my first story, really. And then from there, they hired me. I worked my way up. And then... Uh, so so the, the news site hired yeah. you yeah. because your thing that got published on their website got so many views. Plus they're and they're like, this Oliver G <laughs> seems to be a hot shot. <laughs> well, they'd seen my blog and I'd done the internship as well. So they knew who I was. It wasn't a wild stab in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was, the, that was the turning point for me. Okay. And then over, I worked there for like three years. And at the end, I was, uh, I was uh, sort of the deputy editor of it. Whoa. And then a position came up in Paris. And uh, I had no reason to be in Sweden anymore. Yeah. And I applied for the job in Paris and started here. And it was here that you met your, your now... I met her in Sweden before I left. You met her in Sweden before you left and, yeah. and then you had a long distance relationship? Well, then soon after she came to Paris. She came and joined you yeah. in well, Paris. Well, she came... She, she'd say that she came to Paris. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think she came to join me. But wow. she came... No, she came to study uh, French at Sorbonne just yeah. for like a six-month thing. A lot of Swedes do that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Okay. And um, yeah, I'm going to talk to you about learning French and learning Swedish in a bit. But first, sticking with the journalism thing, you, we were talking before uh, on the day that we did the walking tour about some of the people that you met right. while working as a journalist. Yeah, this and then ins- you said, "You said stop. Tell me this later." Exactly. Yeah. You started telling me stories of of people meeting people, and I was like, "Wait, yeah, let's save this for the podcast." Yeah, for all you know, I told you everything already. <laughs> I don't know. So okay. So who, as you worked for this news site in Sweden, tell us some of the people that you met because you've met some people that I'm big a big fan yeah, of. Yeah, I think uh, I think you are particularly interested in comedy, yeah. right? So man, I met a lot of like comedians because they'd come through. Yeah, a lot of a lot of certainly comedians from the UK mm. go to uh, Scandinavia and they do tours in Sweden mm. uh, and Norway and places like this right. because. I, I guess one of the reasons is because the English is so good there. Exactly. And so it's possible for English-speaking comedians to, to do shows yep, and, exactly and it works. Right. Exactly right. But also because lot, in Sweden they get a lot of English TV. Yep. So all the stuff like QI and Have I Got News For You and mm. all these shows and all and, and probably the Michael McIntyre's Comedy mm-hmm. Roadshow mm-hmm. and um, uh, Live at the Apollo and stuff, they get all that stuff. So they know all of our comedians. Mm. So, by, by the way, speaking of QI, did I tell you that I'd met uh, Sandy Torsvig, the Sa- host of Sa- it, Sandy Toxvig. in Paris the other day? You met Sandy Toxvig yeah. in Paris yeah. the other day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners, there's a show called QI. Most of you will be familiar with it. If you know it at all, you'll know it from YouTube probably, unless you're in England and you watch it on telly. But most of you will probably know it from YouTube. And it's, the, it's that TV panel show that used to be hosted by Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. And it's like Stephen Fry in the middle, or it used to be, and then uh, two guests on the right and two guests That's on the left. Right, yep. um, and Alan Davis is always one yep. of the uh, one of the panelists. 
and they do it's like a humorous uh, quiz show about uh, interesting information and mm. facts and history QI stands for quite interesting QI stands for quite interesting and the panellists are often very funny and quick witted a lot of comedians yeah, and, yeah, and so yeah. on on there yeah. and, and Sandy Toxvic I mean she's been on the TV in the UK for years she's very funny Bake very Off Bake Off show yeah. she's on Bake Off is she yeah she's one of the ho- uh, judges or hosts or one of the judges or hosts and yeah. she, she's just been on TV in various ways for, for, for decades in the UK very funny very 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 witty, sharp-witted, uh, intelligent uh, In her second comedian. language, mind you. So she's Swedish. She's Danish. She's Danish. Yeah. Okay. And you just, you met her in Paris the yeah. other day? Yeah. How to tell me more. So this is weird too. I was watching on YouTube clips of QI that morning. So she was very fresh in my mind. <laughs> That's true. Can you watch more Beatle videos, please? <laughs> yeah. So that, you, you know, because uh, apparently whoever you watch, yeah. you meet. This was so. the same day that I met Caroline de Magre. Yeah. Right? That was a big day. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, Sandy Toxvic. So I was in a coffee shop in Montmartre, right, that I go to a lot. And uh, I was sitting and I saw a woman that looked exactly like her. Yeah. And I just was like, whoa, that, that must be her. And I was like, Sandy, I couldn't remember her last name. Mm. You say Toxvik. I think it's like in Danish, it'd be like Toshvig or something like yeah. that. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So I looked up a picture of her just to, you know, I knew it was her, but just to confirm. And then, um, and I was like, well, sh- she was sitting having a coffee. I didn't want to interrupt her. But I said to Lynn, I was like, that's, you know, that's the woman we were watching this morning. And then uh, real soon after, she stood up to leave and was walking past my table. And I uh, I stopped her. And I, I met a lot of sort of people that are on TV and stuff. Yeah. Never been as starstruck really? as with Sandy. Like, wow. I was totally gone. Wow. Yeah, it was weird. So she stopped and I was like, I was like, Sandy, Sandy Torschwig, right? And she's like, yes. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I just want to say thank you. You know, I said the this, is your thing. this is your thing, but I really meant it because that. What else do you say? She's brought a lot of yeah. joy to me. She's very funny. I love the stuff that she's done. That morning, you know, like she she put yeah. a smile on my face, yeah. and I, and I was like, um, she was really sweet and everything. And then I said, um, I I'm so starstruck. I said to her, I, was like, I can't even um, like my heart's beating really fast. And she's like, she was so sweet about it. And then we got talking, and. Uh, she's like what do you do here and everything I said I had a podcast I was like look if you want to know anything about Paris I know it really well just tell me what you want and she's like oh we're staying here like I live here just tell me and yeah. she's like okay we were looking for this that this and I was like there 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 and we just got chatting a bit Fantastic. and I took a picture of it. I'll show you the picture afterwards yeah. and she's like you know half she's, my, she's half my size yeah so the picture's pretty sweet and we had a really nice uh, really good laugh that but is- I didn't you know didn't do anything with it but still um, it's just a nice a nice moment well yeah, I think because I've got the podcast and because I've done a lot of this interviewing and stuff, I want to talk to them. Mm. You know, like it's kind of like I think a lot of fans and stuff maybe are more content to just look yeah. or say, oh, there's what's that. But yeah. I was like, oh, I want to talk to her. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I've, I talk to my family quite a lot about, for some reason, we like this topic of like what you should say and do when you yeah. meet a famous person. Yeah. And we've decided in the family that the most appropriate thing to do is say, for example, sorry, are you Sandy Toxvic? And they go, yeah. And you just have to say, nice one. Yeah. And that's it. Yep. Yeah, and then you leave right. them alone. I think you're right. You know, uh, and that comes from a story of a mate of mine years and years ago meeting uh, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, the right. guitarist from Black Sabbath in a WH Smith in, in Solly Hull yeah. in England. And Solly like, Hull. That's yeah. uh, Stonehenge world, isn't it? No, nah, nah, Solly Hull is... It's in the Midlands, so Stonehenge is okay. southwest. I tried. Yeah, it's it's a good few days walk from <laughs> from from there. Um, 
But uh, it's, yeah, it sounds like it could be yeah, uh, from right. some mythical sort of uh, uh, kingdom. Solihull, the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I hail from the kingdom of Solihull. What news of, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he, he bumped into, well, he saw uh, Tony Iommi and he just went, excuse me, are you Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath? Yeah, I am. Nice one. Yeah. And then, you know, so that's now I, the thing. I walked past Stephen Merchant in, uh, on Charlotte Street in London once. Oh, yeah? Right? And yeah. I just, this is what I did. I went, I nodded my head and went, hey. <laughs> And he went, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, he'd probably be pretty happy that I didn't stop him. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, to so, answer your question, so Sandy Toxvik, tick. Yep. yep. So one of the best interviews. So the, the thing is, often when you're interviewing someone about their upcoming show, mm-hmm. they want to do it in advance, which means on the phone, uh, rather than them coming and you doing the interview because they want to sell the tickets. You know, they do in advance. So they yeah. you talk to them over the phone. And often the, the conversation is published before yep. they yep. come yep. and do their show. Otherwise, uh, you know, often those kind of things take a while to do. Uh, you couldn't go and meet them right before the show because then they're not going to sell tickets. But one of the good interviews I did, I think yeah. we spoke about it before, was mm. with uh, Bill Bailey. Right. Who was very, he's on QI and shows like that quite often. Yeah, Bill Bailey, folks. I mean, if long term listeners will know that I did a whole episode about Bill Bailey oh, yeah, right. on this podcast. I like to do little episodes about different comedians. Right. And so I did one about Bill Bailey. He's, uh, just for the listeners, he's that comedian who does lots of music in his mm. performances. He's very funny and very kind of a bit surreal and a bit weird. And uh, yeah, he does. Lo- he plays lots of musical instruments and does lots of parodies of different musical genres and mm. things like that. He's trained in classical music. I think. Yeah, he's a kind yeah. of a musical genius. Yeah, right. sort of, he can play anything, yeah. um, which but, is incredible. And he looks quite strange as well. He's. He, um, I mean, he used to have a show called Part Troll because mm. he kind of looks a bit like a sort of a troll that you'd find under a bridge in in the Middle Ages or something. But um, so anyway, Bill Bailey. Yeah, he's one of absolutely one of my comedy heroes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did a whole thing on France, like a, a little, you can see it on YouTube, talking about the ambulances. Yeah, and yeah. he played it on the keyboard. S- the sirens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was great, right? So we had a site in Norway as well. You had a, uh, you had a, a new site. Yeah. And uh, the Norwegian team were like, well, if you're going to interview Bill Bailey, get some questions from Norway and I was mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. Uh, and uh, so we had this time, I had to call him and we, we got on the phone. And I was like, all right, Bill, we're going to start with a Sweden interview. Because the interview, what they like, the readers like, is you say, like, what do you know about Sweden? You don't just say, what's your show? Yeah. You know, it has, they wanna, it has to be relevant. Yeah. So I asked him all these questions about Sweden and stuff to start. And it amazed me how much he knew, like, mm. like deep knowledge mm. beyond you know most people would say oh I lo-, you know what they want the newspapers they want the headline that goes um uh something like i i couldn't live without swedish meatballs yeah you know that's the headline bill bailey bill bailey's coming to stockholm you know something better than that but yeah. you know like well, something even thing. more specific like uh you know something like i couldn't live without a specific type of swedish meatballs exactly. or even better is if they say something like um uh God, England could learn from the Swedish welfare system. Right. That's a perfect quote because then you got a bit of meat to the article. You got a foreign perspective, a funny foreign perspective, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we talked and he just knew everything. Deep knowledge about how mm-hmm. the country made money, the, the music obviously, but really inside, not mm. beyond ABBA basically. Mm. And, uh, and I was, I was kind of like, okay, you just prepared this or what? You know, in my head. And then after 15 minutes, I was like, okay, so we're going to do this uh, Norwegian one now. And similarly, he just nailed everything. And I didn't really know Norway that well, but I was like, um, I was amazed just and funny and just off the cuff, you know, like just really wonderful. He's an absolutely brilliant person in a way. Like I remember listening to his interview on Desert Island Discs Mm -hmm. 
And there were interesting things about how, to an extent, uh, like the interviewer was asking him, like, why didn't you go on to do all us amazing, great things? Why didn't you become a recognized sort of uh, concert pianist or a composer or something like this? And, and, and the answer was like, I just, I was just having too much fun doing comedy. Mm, mm. So it's interesting that, I mean, that tells you something about how the, the status of comedy in the world, mm. um, uh, that uh, people, you know, because he was in comedy, people don't take it as seriously or recognize his genius in the way that right. they would if he was doing something more serious. But uh, it also just shows that the, the guy's incredibly clever and talented. Yeah. yeah. Impressive. Yeah, really impressive. Nice to, it was so nice to be able to just chat to him as well yeah. and they're, yeah. they're warm like they ask questions too mm. like mm. you know uh they you know that we beyond just it's not just a one-way question and then they give some statement and yeah then, you know it was, yeah, yeah. it was just very memorable okay so sandy toxvic tick yeah bill bailey tick yeah uh, stephen merchant as well there tick no, we'll, kind of we'll give it a, a nod a nod you gave him a nod so a kind <laughs> yeah. of a par- partial tick yeah um didn't you didn't you meet russell brand yes i did russell yeah. russell brand yeah that was that was a good one. Oh my goodness! When when was this? This was fairly recently. So it's in his. This was within a within a year of today. So in his incarnation as a married man, yep. yeah. a father, yeah. and a kind of a guru, a spiritual yeah. Yeah. guru. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about meeting he was, Russell Brand. So this is so. I'd stopped my time at the French newspaper at this point, but I was freelance because I just sort of started getting the podcasts into a job you know i wasn't making yeah. very much money from it at all i needed any kind of fill-in that i could yeah. and they were like someone's sick can you work today and i was like yeah and then the editor the swedish site i was working for the swedish site from paris right okay and she she messages me and she goes um yeah work till six o'clock there's a bunch of news out there today and uh if you want to interview russell brown on the phone uh i don't really want to do it six o'clock and i was like yeah Are you serious <laughs> yeah for sure and uh, so I'm so working throughout the day, thinking I'm going to speak to Russell Branson. It's going to be great. I love him, you know. He's yeah. wonderful. Uh, and I did meet him. I'll get to that. But okay. this is the the precursor. So uh, he so he rings, and the way they do it with these Hollywood celebrities or whatever is they ha- they give you a ten minute window, right? And so you get on the phone to his agent or whatever she is, or and she goes, "You got ten minutes. He's going to join you now." And I was like, "Okay." And he comes on the phone, just exactly like you'd imagine, you know, yeah. like flamboyant and, you know, interesting and everything. And uh, I was like, so I'm interviewing about Sweden. So I go, Russell, you're, you're, uh, going to, um, you're going to Sweden. And he was like, I am. And I was like, I was like, you don't sound very excited about it, Russell. Like, I, I am, yes. Yeah. Like- but he said it really like sort of like nonchalantly sort of or like, he said like it sounded like he had reservations about coming well i don't know well my question yeah, wasn't am, my yeah. question wasn't good like it was just a conversation starter usually people are like yeah we're gonna i can't wait you know meatball straight into it yeah. but i just sort of like was testing the waters a little bit and i was like you don't sound <laughs> i don't know why i said it either i don't even know yeah. i guess i was thinking more like of a it was a podcast in my head mm-hmm. than a, anyway mm. and um he he just stopped and he's like Wait, you said to him, you don't sound very interested. Something like that, yeah. or excited, or whatever. Yeah. And he just stopped, and he's like, what? Like, he just sort of was like, um, how can you say that? But he's like, I said two, I said, should I try and do it? Yeah. I said two words. <laughs> <laughs> I said two words, and you, you know, and yeah. you've, uh, you've deduced from my two words that I'm not very interested. You know, he did this whole thing. So you kind of triggered him in a way. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't mean, I didn't think. Maybe in a I'd, good way, though. Yeah, and then we got chatting, and he's like, um... 
he's like, listen, you're in Sweden. He's like, are you in Sweden? Because he also is really a um, – he talks to you like well beyond – if you ever seen him on TV in an interview, he doesn't just answer. He wants to he's engage. In, he's incredibly deep and engaging yep. and he, he takes a lot of time to really, really – yeah, connect with the person he's talking to. And he to. remembers like he remembers your name mm. for everyone. I mm-hmm. see it on all the YouTube videos. So he's going, Oliver, listen Oliver, like that. And he goes, um, he goes, You're in Sweden. are you in Sweden? I was like, Well, I'm in Paris. And he's like, What? You're a Swedish guy in Paris? I was like, Oh, I'm Australian. And he goes, Hang on. <laughs> and he's like, You're an Australian I'm not gonna do the accent anymore. He goes, You're an Australian guy in Paris talking to me about Sweden. I'm an English guy in LA. Uh he goes, This is the most uh uh can't remember what he said, but the most uh, multicultural or something mm. phone call I've ever had. And yeah. then we just started chatting. It yeah. wasn't really an interview. We were chatting. And he was asking me about Sweden to get material for his show that was coming right, up. Because right. I'd been there for five years. Like. Yeah. So he was like, uh, he wanted to know about paternity leave and the funny things that I'd sort of observed as an expat there. Mm. So we're chatting. And then out of nowhere, it cuts off. And I realized it'd been 10 minutes. Right. And I was like, part of me scared because I was like, oh, I didn't really get the quotes. Maybe we're just chatting. So you're talking 10 minutes go by and just boo. Yeah, it's just phone cut. Cut. And yeah. you're like, damn. Yeah. I was like, oh, she told me it, was, it would be 10 minutes. I was like, all right. I better listen to the recording, see what I got if I got enough. And then the phone rang and it was his agent. She's like, um, Russell wants to keep talking to you. <laughs> and wasn't his agent kind of a bit, uh, yeah. a bit uh, unhappy about yeah. it? Yeah. She's like... Look, Oliver, uh, it Russell happens. wants to keep talking yeah, to you, yeah. and she's probably thinking we've got other yeah, interviews to yeah, do today. Yeah. And Russell's like, "No, no, I want to, I want to, I want to speak to him. Get me that Australian lad." Okay, I can't do it. <laughs> anyway, so they call back. Same, like, same thing. I had a conversation, and uh, halfway through, I was like, "I'm gonna get some questions in, you know, as well." But we just chat. It was really fun. And then uh, the same thing happened. It cut off, and he called back again. Wow. And uh, and at the end, he's like, um. He's like, come to the show in Stockholm in a week or whatever. I was like, I'm in Paris. I can't come. Are you coming to Paris? No, I can't come. And he's like, talk to, like, sort something out. I tour all the time. Talk to my agent. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was an agent, but whatever. Helper, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, they texted me, like, I can have as many tickets as I want to the Stockholm show. Whoa. And I was like, I can't. I just can't. And they're like, I'm in Paris. Yeah. Said, yeah. Uh, he, go, he goes, uh, his, his, his agent says he's playing in London for a Netflix special. In how we, I don't know when, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, we'll go." And so we go, and they give us uh, a little thing to wear around that like backstage, yeah, backstage backstage passes. Yeah, yeah. So when we arrive, we go to the ticket desk, and there's an envelope uh, permitting how it goes, like as long as he's happy, basically with the performance, because it's Netflix. This is a big deal. Wait, you know? an envelope? What? An Permit- envelope at the front desk yeah. that said like. Uh, Basically, oh, oh, I see. Uh, as long as the as long as the show goes well, yeah. you can come backstage. S- sort of like that. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. like come backstage and have fun. So permitting, you know, s- s- uh, show success permitting. <laughs> yeah, you can go backstage. Yeah, it was along those lines. Yeah, right? okay. So we travelled from Paris for the show. Like we went for a week, tied it in with a weekend, but we, we essentially yeah. went for it. Yeah. And then uh, the show was great, and it was. It seemed like uh, the show was a success, right? So we went to the backstage bit, yeah. And there were like, there were like eight people in this room, and wow. it was an average room. It wasn't. It was a fancy theater. I can't remember the name of it in London, but yeah. like one of the famous ones, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even remember where Camden, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I There's can't remember. Plenty of theaters. It right. could have been. Yes. Right. So we went backstage, and there were like ten. Eight, ten people, all really, really different. Yeah. Um, and I was like, who are they? Are these, ju- they're surely not journalists. Are they family? And everyone was kind of like, half of them knew each other, the other half sort of, and there was a woman that was like, 
like severely disabled as well. Mm. And I was like, well, what am I doing here? This feels wrong. I don't think I should be here. Yeah. And uh, then he came out like a rock star, like sweating, like, you know. With a towel over his shoulders. Basically, yeah, it was like that. And um, he scanned the room, right? And he looked at me as if like, because we'd never seen him. He'd never seen me. Looked at me like, who's that guy? Okay, forget that guy. And then went to the rest of the room. Yeah. Uh, and it was like his mum. Uh, like, his mum was there. It was closest of close. And he went around and they were hugging him. It was really powerful, you know, I guess. Because it didn't really dawn on me how important film and Netflix special must have been. Mm. You know, like, I was mm. just like, surely he's going through this massive, all the time. Yeah. Massive, yeah. massively important for a comedian <laughs> yeah. if you're doing a Netflix special because you can live and die by a, by a right. Netflix special. Right. Yeah, totally. So, so it would have been, a, and also the intensity of doing a show and coming off stage yep. and his family are there like, we're so proud of you, yeah, Russell. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, emotional and hugging yep. them. And and you're standing there going, oh my God, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. yeah. And I had like, a, you know, like a, a muesli bar with chocolate, you know, the little things they give you, grapes. I was just standing in the corner eating, <laughs> eating, kind of eating, like, <laughs> eating some food that they'd put on the table. Perrier water, you know, like yeah. flavored water. And uh, so he's doing the rounds and going around and really giving deep hugs and the people are like, oh, you did so well. Like, it was his man, all these people. And then the, the woman with the disability, like he spent a lot of time with her and he was going around the room. And I just, I felt like such an uh, imposter. Yeah, an imposter. Yeah. He had no idea. And he, and he came over to me and I knew he didn't know who I was. Me yeah. and my wife were there. And uh, I sort of, he got to us yeah. and, you know, he didn't go like, who are you? I was like, I was like, Russell, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know if I apologize first. I either said, look, sorry, I feel like I shouldn't be here. I'm the journalist that talks to you about uh, Sweden, mm. you know? And he sensed that I was sort of felt like an imposter. Yeah. And he just, uh, he brought me in and just like, hugged me. Whoa. He was just like, nah, man, it's all right. Thank you for coming. Of course, I remember who you are. Everything you said to me was really useful and I used it in the show. Mm. How are you? Have you guys come from Paris? Like, he remembered. Yeah. And then he just chatted to us. But I still felt guilty. Like, I mean, he didn't, it wasn't like the touch of Jesus or something. <laughs> I still felt like I was in the wrong place. So I was like, um, you know, thanks for everything. Great show. And at the end, I was like, oh, shit, great show. Yeah, you know, I really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I sort of forgot to say it. Uh, and he was like, oh, do you think so? Really? Like, yeah, yeah. And we talked, well, I don't know how long we talked for, but it yeah. was uh, like a, a, a good chat. Wow. And then uh, I was like, look, I was like, you know, we had a picture together. Yeah. And then I was yeah. like, you know, go, go to your family. Don't That's talk amazing. to me. That's brilliant. Yeah. This is great. So, okay. There's another person ticked off the list. Mm. Uh, you've got other people though in, in, in the, you've got other people in the bag that you can tell us about, don't you? Didn't you meet Eddie Izzard? No. No, I didn't. I'm the one who met Eddie Izzard. That's right. <laughs> I could tell the story again, but uh, I was very lucky enough to meet him backstage. It was a very similar experience, too, because I went to one of his shows with a friend who knows him. Right. And then the friend afterwards was like, hey, come backstage. So I ended up backstage there. And it was really, really similar thing. So Eddie had just done three hours, an hour in English, an hour in French, and an hour in German, all back to back, all part of the D-Day commemorations that happened up in Normandy a few years ago. And so uh, he'd done this, you know, this marathon three shows. And then, uh, so I, I go backstage and I'm just standing there while there's a few people, a similar number mm-hmm. as what you said. Mm-hmm. And Eddie's there, you know, he's just like relaxing after the show. And I'm standing there going, I feel totally 
out of place. I shouldn't be here. And also thinking, I've got nothing to give. I've yeah. got nothing to offer yeah. him yeah. at all. You couldn't balance the scales of justice no, for the show not, that you're just e- giving. Not, and, and like, it felt very strange because I felt like uh, this guy has got so much to offer. He's yeah. in a similar case. A bit like, you know, Bill Bailey or Russell Brand, you know, a brilliant, brilliant person with like a lot of knowledge about lots of different things and just an incredible sort of uh, incredibly ambitious and successful person, yeah. uh, an actor in Hollywood films, uh, this in groundbreaking comedian and all these other things and then there's just me yeah. you know standing there and I'm just you know I just feel like I can't even open my mouth I'm yeah. just uh, I've got nothing to offer nothing to give and because I was with my friend Yassine uh, we ended up going for dinner with him and so next thing I know I'm sitting down in a restaurant and I'm with Yassine on my left and a couple of other people and so it's me Yassine and then Eddie Izzard on yeah. the other side and some other people and every now and then Eddie's like talking to the other people and then sometimes he turns and he talks to us and so I'm sitting at the table like you know trying to trying not to just be part of the furniture yeah. you know yeah. uh, and sort of inputting my stuff sometimes and every you know when I'm talking he's looking at me and sort of listening to me and I'm thinking stop talking Luke you're not gonna you've got nothing to offer you've got nothing to give <laughs> And then, and I was kind of blown away and starstruck and stuff. And I, and I thought I still really want to talk to him. And I, I, for some reason, I need to tell him how much of a big fan I am. Right. Uh, because when I was living in Japan, I didn't have a TV, uh, and I had limited, you know, amount of music and CDs and things. But I had two of his uh, his stand up shows on CD, yeah. and I used to just listen to them on repeat. That would be like my evenings entertainment. You just say thank you. I should have just yeah. said, "Hey, nice one." Yeah, you know all, the, all your work, nice one. I should have said that, but uh, I didn't have the foresight to yeah. do that. Instead, I attempted to tell him what he meant to me, and it didn't really work because I ramble. You see, I'm, I, I have this habit of rambling, and so I started rambling, and I was sort of saying, "Oh yeah, you're," you know, I used to listen to all your stuff when I was, you know, I used to just lie in my bed, listen to your CDs, yeah. and like painting this slightly weird picture. <laughs> And um, and and he also doesn't know who I am. Mm. I'm just like I'm Yassine's friend. I yeah. should have said. And then I was like, uh, so anyway, you know, listen to all your stuff, and I remember all your routines. And then I went, you're in my head now, like that, like <laughs> probably with this crazy look in my eyes. And he was because he didn't really know what to say. But uh, those guys are so used to that kind of stuff. Yeah, they must so be so used to it. But you know, whenever you meet a famous person, you you seem to know how to handle it pretty well with your "thank you so much for yeah, everything you've done." Appears to work. Yeah, but like um, when I meet a famous person, I'm kind of uh, torn because I, on one hand, I don't want to disturb them at all, mm. and I just want to let them be. And on the other hand, I can't li- let the opportunity go without having a conversation with the person, and then end up end up sort of messing it up by being awkward and and rambling uh, and so saying to him you're in my head was oh god I, re- <laughs> I really regret that i wish i hope i get a second chance to actually have a proper maybe you listen to your podcast i don't know <laughs> when he's uh, running marathons yeah i know 27 marathons in 27 days in south africa he was talking about that on the joe rogan podcast exactly yeah the other day. he was yeah. yeah yeah i listened to that yeah me too um Okay, um, you so okay. Go, so that's the sort of journalism stuff. Now you live in France. You, you were in Sweden, learning Swedish. Um, uh, how's your learning of French going? Because the, obviously, this is a podcast for people learning English, and we're interested right. in language learning. So, what about your experiences of learning French? I think that's a really uh, like. In short, it's it's pretty good. Um, like I, I've learned it pretty well and can speak it decently. What 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 have been your 
sort of most positive experiences for learning from what, what are the things that have you've done that you feel have helped you progress in French the most I tell you one thing that was huge is we uh, for our honeymoon we drove around France on a scooter yeah in all the like literally the smallest roads between here and here yeah that's right? a that's a ama- that's a n- whole other story yeah. as well which is like your honeymoon uh, yeah as you said you drove around France yeah. on the small roads in a love heart shape you making a big love heart yeah, shape yeah. oh my goodness it was uh How romantic four thousand kilometers at 45 kilometers an hour on the back is, of a vespa yeah so it's three thousand miles 30 miles an hour ish like okay. for, for all the listeners to appreciate that i'm gonna ask you about that if there's time yeah that's, that's just you. an aside but that was great for learning french because we stayed in so many small villages and like really small like mm. like i mean population four kind of thing yeah and if you need to get anything done you need to speak french like there's no you know in paris you can almost always get by in english if the person doesn't speak english someone nearby does yeah but um so to answer your question being in a position where you have no choice so people sometimes get that by visiting their mother-in-law or whatever you know like someone or going to a retirement home but that kind of thing for us traveling around was really really helpful you know if you break down and you need to fix the brake pads you have to figure out how to say it. Yeah. And even if you don't know the word for brake pads, you need to describe it. You can't just keep saying brake pads, brake pads. Yeah, yeah. You know? You have, so, to, you have to work out new ways of getting around the problem exactly. by using other words in yeah. French that you know. And then he will, and then the guy's like, oh! And then he tells you the word yeah, for brake yeah, pads. Le brake pad, probably. <laughs> <laughs> le pad de. Yeah, yeah, that's more. Yeah, uh, I did know what it was in French, but I've forgotten. You know, I needed it once. Yeah. Frein, it is F-R-E-I-N-S okay anyway uh, that really helped a lot but what you said is interesting and I wonder if your listeners in fact they probably are uh, speaking three languages you know if they're learning English maybe they speak another one a lot of well. them yeah definitely um, and I found that really intriguing uh, so when I came to France mm-hmm. so I already spoke a bit of French but I essentially forgot it all because it had been 10 years since I'd spoken a word of it and I think my brain has room for two languages. Mm-hmm. So every Swedish word I learned, a French one went out. Kind of like that. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. So by the time I came to Paris, I spoke very good Swedish, very good English, zero French, essentially. Okay, and then, then you started learning French and it kind of replaced Swedish. Yeah, it's weird, right? So, But when I was learning French and I thought this was really like weird, is if something really quickly happened, like a waiter would come and put, I don't know, water on the table, I'd answer in Swedish, even though we're in Paris. Because okay. it was my reflex backup language. Okay. So my mind was going, um, okay, not English, Oliver. You're not in an English-speaking country. Use your backup. So say thank you in your backup language. So I was like, tak, taxi maker. Right. So your, 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 your brain is going, English is the default setting. Yeah. And if not English, divert yeah. to yeah. other language. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there was one room, one, <laughs> one port. Yeah. Yeah, one space yeah, one for, other, for the cable to one go. USB yeah, yeah, port yeah. for for another language, and and Swedish was still plugged yeah. into that port. Well, because it's so quick, when it's when it's a, a glass getting put down, you're saying thank you. That's a lot of ports and changings to do in a millisecond. You know, if someone comes up and says bonjour, ça va, you go okay, French port. You can kind of figure it out. Yeah. But it, when I came here, I found that really really tricky. And then uh, as time has passed, I spend a lot of time in Sweden now. Uh, because I'm married to a Swedish woman. Yeah, yeah. So I get to practice them. And now that I'm practicing them all at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a lot more manageable. If we had had this conversation four years ago, I would have just been talking about how there's only room for two languages in your head ever. Okay. But then as time has passed and I've been learning 
both so I'm still always learning French and always learning Swedish they can coexist up there right and I know a lot of your listeners will be like hey I speak three languages or four it's not that hard yeah. but it's uh, you know so so your first thought you were starting to think that either for you or for people in general that there's only really in the human mind there's only space for two and, and then crucially I'm talking about that you've learnt as an adult I mean these kids who grow up in Canada and speak French and English yeah. that doesn't that's, that's a whole different story but you're talking about talking about in adulthood yeah, yep. so that's what you previously th- were starting to think yep. that it's, I've, it's either gonna it's, I've only got room for two yep. but then you che- then your habits changed yeah. because you started going to Sweden again more often yeah. and then you realize oh no more than more than two is possible yeah. in adulthood That's weird so uh, what do you think the the what do you think the reason is then like, i think it's like people say that language is like a muscle and yeah. you got to stretch it to be able to use it and i saw with my french that i'd spoken as a sort of late teenager early 20s mm-hmm. that i hadn't stretched it for 10 years yeah. it was gone it was gone i'm sure i remembered words or phrases but i didn't i couldn't i couldn't do anything there would have been some probably neural memory Something there like but the muscle itself had wasted away yeah, yeah yeah but i couldn't do anything i remember i tried to take a taxi when i arrived here from sweden the first time and i was like i'm gonna to talk to this cab driver and i was like i can't oh my god i can't at all i can't yeah. i couldn't say anything it's like mm-hmm. it's gone plus the university french that i learned in western australia 10 years ago wasn't about like taxis and stuff it was yeah. just it was like reading like voltaire or something and you didn't mm-hmm. understand it it was like doing algebra you had to figure it out and right. prove that you could to get the test score yeah i see yeah didn't really work okay so do you actually have uh, any sort of routine in terms now, of learning both of the languages? Well, no. With Swedish, every time I go there, it's, I speak Swedish. Yeah. Um, like, that's it. Uh, I mean, with, a, I'm in a study routine, exactly. Yeah, well, here I'm doing... Well, the sponsor of my show is audiobooks that teach French. I yeah. won't go on about it because this is your show, but uh-huh. I do these audiobooks. Uh, it's, part of my, it's part of the deal that they'll be my sponsor if I do them. I see. You know? So I got to use it, which is it's pretty good. So, they, so they're audiobooks? Yeah. Uh, is it just stories or are it's, there exercises and it's, things it's well it's uh it's story no so it's not like uh, harry potter in french yeah. it's like it's exercises so it starts off um you know the story of a, a girl in paris mm-hmm. and then at the end of it, it tells a story you repeat it kind of like in love actually where they you know he's learning portuguese or whatever yeah and then at the end they put all the words that are interesting translate into english little things there but the, it's a pretty good method uh, i don't know that they're my sponsor but it actually is yeah, yeah. because they don't focus on the unnecessary stuff. Okay. Like they don't, the word subjunctive, this frightful tense. What do you mean? It, that's a, it doesn't even come up. Subjunctive being a linguistic a term to describe an aspect of grammar. Yeah. 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 Cause that's the thing. If sometimes if you're learning grammar, you end up learning all of the meta language yeah. to describe the grammar yeah. rather than the actual language yeah. itself. And then you get in a taxi, you don't know how to talk to Right. Them. So, so this, your method that you're using with your audiobooks is um, they teach you grammar without teaching you grammar kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. seeps in. Yeah. But it's a lot of listen and repeat then. A lot, yep. a lot mm-hmm. of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hear the sentence, repeat it and yep. stuff. Yeah, that's very good. That's, that actually surprisingly deals with a lot of different skills. Well, I think what's cool about that kind of stuff is you, you find yourself saying things you'd never say, mm-hmm. right? And then it's in your head. So the next time that you... Like just silly phrases. Like one I remember from recently was um, was you know in English I'm not even sure I'm going to remember it right now, yeah. but I used it at the time. It was when you in English you go down the stairs two by two. Okay. You know, he's so quick he's going down two by two. Yeah. But in French it's four by four. 
uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh, I think maybe three by th- it was. It's different. It's not two case. by two. This is like case. six months ago. I saw yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. It's something like quatre à quatre, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I wrote it down. I was like, I'm going to use that this week, and I did. And that's how it was in there. You yeah. know. Yeah. 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 So you wouldn't. I don't. I don't know how. No, it's all good. Yeah. So it's all. It's all. Uh, every road leads to Rome, kind of thing. Yeah. Meaning that every approach that you use to learn your language, as long as you're doing it on a regular basis. As long as you're in contact with the language, engaging with it, then good. Like you know, every, everyone always kind of doubts whether the method that they're using is the right method. I think the secret is, I, I just, a, the secret is to keep doing have a method. It, keep, yeah, to have something, <laughs> yeah. do something, and keep doing it regularly, and hopefully enjoy it. Yeah, and just keep going. Like don't just, stop. Even just ten minutes a day. Yep. Like I met a Polish girl who was moving to Paris the other day and she was like, oh, the language is so hard. And I said, I know you know this, but my tip, just do 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day. Just do it every single day. Yeah. Don't wait. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just do it. Lot, and and she didn't, obviously she didn't care what I said. But. Well, you know, you're right. A lot of people expect to have one single, first of all, one single approach that will solve all the problems yeah. and also one single uh, session of practice that will solve all the problems. Yeah. It doesn't work like doesn't that. It doesn't work like that, It's like guys. one podcast episode that you listen to is not going to solve all your problems. No. One bit of work you do from a page or no. from something is not going to solve it, but it's a compound effect of time plus practice uh, multiplied by motivation. I'd say you have to listen to 580 podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah, at least, at least 580. Yeah, at least that. Um, can you tell us then uh, about going around Paris, going around France in, uh, on the back of a scooter? I'll do the short version because I feel like we're running out of time. Yeah. But first, can I, before I forget it, can I do a shout out to one of your listeners that yes, I met? Please do. Mark. Mark. Uh, yeah, Mark. Hello, Mark. Or is it Bonjour, Mark? It's Bonjour, Mark. He's okay. in Paris. Yeah. So he contacted me because he knows I love. So he heard about my show on the last time I was on this show. Mm-hmm. Big fan of yours. I'm sure oh, he's listening. Oh. Uh, Hi, Mark. Hello, Mark. <laughs> and he said uh, uh, he's uh, he works at the town hall, and he works for a guy that has similar interests that I have. Mm. And he's like, I could set you, set me up for an interview with him. And it it sort of hasn't happened yet, but he uh, he goes, I could show you the town hall if you want. And I yeah. met him, and we went and looked at the town hall, and I was like, How did you find my podcast? Blah. He's like, Oh man. He's like, Oh, I love Luke, 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 Luke. And then yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh wow, great! So uh, but a, nin- see, a ninja, a ninja. That's what I call a ninja. Someone who listens to my podcast and never actually gets in touch with Maybe me. Maybe he has. Maybe he has yeah. got in touch with me. It's, it's possible. Yeah. I, I do get quite a lot of messages. A ninja, and, I like that. But he's a ninja, so yeah. I've got a ninja in the town hall. But see, if you had talked about wanting to see the town hall, he probably would have invited you. you yeah, know? yeah. But see that I'm always talking. The town hall is my favorite building. Yeah, why? I love it. I just think it's beautiful. The big city hall, the one down by the river. Yeah. I love it. I don't know. I could stand out the front of that and just look at that. There's a lot going on. Mm. The Eiffel Tower, eh, the Notre Dame is pretty cool. Everyone likes that. There's town hall. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd like to stand in front of the town hall with you and you can talk me through it. I don't even know what I'd talk you through. But just like, that window window (laughs) sill looks interesting. The whole thing is just, there's a lot going on. There's Mm -hmm. a lot, like at at the Notre Dame facade, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of statues and a lot of shapes. And there's the windows, and you wonder if Anne Hidalgo, the mayor, is running around in there yeah. naked. I don't know. So, <laughs> but I just like it. And I do, sometimes I do tours in Paris, and I take people, and I and I take them to the front, and I go, behold, the the town hall. And I can tell they don't really care. They're like, yeah, so big building, so yeah. what? Uh, where's the Eiffel Tower? Where's the one that's in the Disney movies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Is it in a Disney movie? Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah, that's a bit like, but I, you know, sometimes the, someone else's enthusiasm can be contagious. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm working on it. So you're giving a shout out to Mark there. Yeah, hi, Mark. And just before we finish then, you're going to give us the short version of the... Yeah, I'll give you the 30 second version. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So we got this little scooter, red mm-hmm. scooter, mm-hmm. and drove all around the country for two months, stopping, seeing all the main things you can imagine. You know, yeah. the big cities, the little cities, uh, you know, the lavender fields of Provence, across the Alps. On uh, a scooter? Yeah, yeah. 10 kilometers an hour. That's how slow it was. Whoa. It took the whole day. And by the time we'd done it, we were done. We had direct back to Paris. Because that, like, it was... <sighs> Wait, so you... We're in Annecy. Have you been to Annecy? I have been to Annecy. So it's beautiful. Beautiful place. Yeah. Amazing lake. Yeah. You weren't there in August, were you? I was there in October. Ah, because in August they have an amazing firework display. Oh, with all the mountains in the background. Oh my goodness! Oh. And and you go out on a boat on the lake, and you see the fireworks oh, uh, above like the lake, yeah. and the fireworks last for an hour. Excessive. It's really, really excessive. Fireworks. <laughs> it's three so, minutes. Three minutes. So expensive. Yeah. As well, and I remember watching them, and it was like. Hold on a minute. How long yeah. has this been going on for? And it's been no. going on for 40 minutes and then it keeps going. It's like, oh my goodness, how much did this cost? It's amazing, but uh, oh wow, that's it. Make uh, a water feature instead. Yeah. You know, yeah. it lasts forever, like yeah. in Vegas or something. You build a little hospital or something. But, yeah, that's uh, better. Yeah. But um, anyway, it was, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, beautiful place. Mm. So, all right. Uh, all this stuff you wrote you crossed the Alps on your scooter yeah so to get was- in there it's the Alps and then to get out it's the Alps and the Jura Mountains it's really steep yeah and, uh, and this yeah. is uh, this is just on a Vespa how many yeah. cc's is 50. this 50 50 cc's yeah, yeah, yeah. with two of you yeah. on it yeah. and, and some bags and stuff yep so anyone who knows what 50, 50 cc it's basically a bicycle like it's nothing yeah and people would people would wave and cheer and beat their horns and like you know like it was a it was a bit of a sight did it did it break down yep it broke down once or almost broke down a couple of times but it had a proper breakdown uh, in the middle i mean the middle of nowhere the middle of nowhere and yeah. uh, what like happened to in, the bike in the sunflowers it was the brake pads the oh, fr- yeah. <laughs> right the, something uh, came loose and every time the wheel went round, it went... Tuk, 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 tuk. Right, so you couldn't... And, no, I had to stop. And I tried to fix it. We didn't have the right tool. And I f- could tighten it. And then you'd go for 500 meters and it would be out again. So we yeah. pulled over on the side of the road. No traffic. Just really nowhere. How was and the weather as well at that beautiful point? Beautiful weather. Though. Okay. It was beautiful. It was August. Yeah. And then these uh, farmers came along and they, uh, they saved the day. That's the long story short. Okay. But the best bit at the end of it... So I was missing this Allen key, specific uh, shape, sort of like an Ikea key, right? Yeah. To tighten it. And he had the, he had one, and so he fixed it. And at the end, he's like, uh, "I've got a gift for you." And he disappeared. He got on a push bike and disappeared and came back. And he held out his like hand in a fist and put something in my hand. He's like, "This is for you. I hope you don't need to use it." And he had an extra Allen key, beautiful, the exact right one. And uh, you know, he's like, "Get going." You know, the sun's gonna set. So it was amazing. So things like that happening across the whole country. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's great. And that, that that scooter is now parked outside my flat. Yeah, we saw it from the balcony. So it's still going, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. it's due to... You know, one last thing I'll say is when we were crossing those mountains, you know on uh, Everest, when people die, mm. they have to be left up there. Yeah. And so uh, you can judge how high you've gone or how far you've gone by these dead bodies. Right. So there's one guy that's really famous, Green Boots. Have you heard of this? No. So there's a website, Dead People of Everest or something. Anyway, uh-huh. so people go, okay, we made it to Green Boots. 
mm-hmm. we need the new oxygen, whatever. Yeah. I was thinking if the scooter didn't make it across the Alps, that I'd leave it on the side of the road so that people, it's foolish scooter drivers in the future could go, oh, we're, we're at Red Scoot, <laughs> Red Scoots. <laughs> right, exactly. We should turn back. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little marker of, you know, go continue at your own risk. Yeah, exactly. But um, um, it's, it's, it's due to probably retire that scooter. Yeah, really. It's going strong, but I mean, you've you got to be careful, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right. Well, thank you for telling us your stories about your adventures on the scooter and the people that you've interviewed and learning languages and Notre Dame and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I, I hope that the uh, live video that you're going to do with, what's her name again? Caroline de Maigret. Caroline de Maigret. Uh, I hope that... Uh, that goes really, really well. You don't have any technical problems. Uh, just remind uh, my listeners if they, you know, if they want to see the uh, conversation you have with Caroline uh, and and check out the other stuff. Where do they go? Where's the best so place? If you, the best, well, these are podcast people, so they know to subscribe to a podcast. They know how to get pod, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Go. That, that's the most helpful to me if you go and just subscribe. But the website's theearfultower.com, and that will be a pretty good introduction to everything there. Okay, theearfultower.com, and the podcast is The Earful Tower. If you search your podcasting app or whatever for that, you'll, you will undoubtedly find it. And also, yeah, the website and the YouTube channel, The Earful Tower. All right, nice one. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Pleasure. Have a good day. You too. So that was Oliver G on the podcast again. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation full of stories. If you struggle to understand everything that was said, I just want to say congratulations. I mean, congratulations and well done for listening all the way through to this point. Uh, I know sometimes it's difficult to follow these long, fast conversations on my podcast, but I truly believe that you can make progress if you manage to just keep listening. Sometimes you'll get lost and you won't understand, but try to tolerate the bits that you can't understand and use the bits that you do understand to help you guess the rest and then keep going. The best language learners persevere even when things aren't completely clear. So stay positive and keep it up. Um, As ever... I look forward to reading your comments in the comments section if you have anything to share or any thoughts regarding any of the things that came up in this episode. Uh, On the podcast page, on the episode page, you will find loads of links and videos relating to things we talked about in this conversation, including, and I'm going to list them now, uh, we've got uh, the episode of um, The Earful Tower, Oliver's podcast, the episode that he did about the Notre Dame Cathedral. That's the one where he spoke to a tour guide who is like the the inside man. Uh, So if you want to know all the details about what happened with the fire and what's going on and what's happening next, you can listen to that. And that's linked on the page for this episode. Also, you've got um, a YouTube video of Oliver's tour of Notre Dame when it's empty. And it was filmed before the fire. So you get to see inside Notre Dame Cathedral, without lots of tourists in there and you get to see what it looked like before the fire then there's oliver's video of parisians singing hymns while notre dame burns in the background that's the one we talked about that kind of eerie uh video where groups of parisians were standing around on bridges and things and and singing singing hymns 
Then there's the video of my walking tour with Oliver in the Square de Batignolles, which is that park that we walked around. It's just a five-minute video. Bill Bailey, because we talked about him, the comedian. There's a video of Bill Bailey doing some comedy and playing around with minor and major keys in music. It's very entertaining. Uh, There's a link to episode 462, which was called British Comedy Bill Bailey. That was the episode I did about Bill Bailey. So if you want to know all that you need to know about him and understand some of his comedy, then you can go back into the archive and listen to episode 462. And then there's the uh, video that Oliver uh, went on to film. You know, he was talking about going to meet this uh, this model, author, music producer, Caroline de Maigret. Check out my pronunciation. Um, Caroline de Maigret, right? I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I'm, doing, I'm anglic- anglicizing it. Anyway, remember that after the after the conversation with me, he went off to meet a, this model. Uh, she's not just a model. She's a producer and an author and stuff. He went off to meet her and they did a walking tour. And you can see the video and it's uh, on the page for this episode too. Okay. All right. So um, this is the end of episode 599. Episode 600 will be the next one, of course, I think, unless I suddenly have something to tell you in the meantime. I hope you can join me for the YouTube live stream when I will be recording episode 600. Let me just remind you that that's going to happen at 3pm on Friday the 7th of June on my YouTube channel. 3pm Paris time, that's Central European time, Friday the 7th of June on my YouTube channel. You'll find the link to that on the front page of my website in the comments section. If you can't attend the live stream, then I am sorry. Uh... Obviously, time time differences and other things probably mean that, you know, you might not be able to watch. Or maybe you're just like, no, that's all right. I'll just watch it later. I don't know. Uh, but yes, you will be able to watch the video later. And obviously, you'll be able to listen to the audio in episode 600. The theme of the live stream is Ask Me Anything. Although I do reserve the right not to answer questions if I don't fancy it. Like, for example, what colour is your underwear? You know, mind your own business. That's what colour my underwear is. Not that anyone has ever asked me that, but it's just an example, you know, or what are your card details or, you know, that sort of thing, which, again, no one's going to ask me. But you know what I'm saying? You can ask me questions about English or whatever comes to you, and I will try to answer the questions as best I can and as briefly as I can in the time that we have available. I've got no idea how many people are going going to be attending the live stream. I've no idea at all. So it could be, you know, it could be loads. I mean, comparatively loads. It could be a lot, it could be a small number. So if if there's like, you know, hundreds, even thousands, I don't know. I'm I'm I expect I'm gonna get more than a hundred. Uh it'll be in the hundreds, I would say. Um but who knows? Um so if there are loads of people, uh it might be difficult for everyone to get their questions in. I understand that, and I'll be kind of moderating the comments as I go. But anyway. Um, it's just going to be a bit of fun and a chance for you to ask me some questions. Hopefully I'll be able to answer them all, but, uh, I probably won't be able to answer absolutely, absolutely everything. So, uh, have a think. You can think about some questions you'd like to ask me. And obviously, you know, someone asked me, uh, in some comment section somewhere, like, how many questions can we ask you, Luke? Well, I probably keep it to one, but it depends on how many people there are and how many questions are coming in. So if you've got others, feel free to try and ask them. But I think it's probably going to be one question each. 
But if there's only like five people, then go for it. Um, also, premium subscribers, remember, premium episodes are coming. I'm working on several premium series at the moment. And so June, we'll see more premium stuff and less free stuff. It's going to be mostly a month of premium. Okay, right then. So that's it. Until episode 600, I will now say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.